home prices, the ability to save for a down payment, um, and what young people, especially first-time home buyers, are going through uh, when it comes to purchasing that first property. I mean, the Canadian dream is still to be a property owner. Whether it makes sense for you or not, it is something that so many of us uh, uh, want to do when we get our first full-time job. Uh, you know, pay down your student debt, and what's the next step? Buy a house. It feels like the, the, the right thing to do when you become an adult. And in order to do that, for many young people, it's becoming more and more difficult. A new report shows house prices need to drop by more than $500,000 for millennials to be able to afford home in, in Ontario. Um, the, the report is called Straddling the Gap 2022, and it looks at the disparity between home prices and earnings across the country and really does break down how much things have changed for young people uh, getting into their first home. Because it's that first home that's the, the most difficult one, right? Getting that down payment and having all the other pressures of being a young person and having student debt and being at the bottom of your salary. As you move along in your career, you make more money, you have some equity in the home that you own, and so it's easier to sell that and buy something different. That's not the case when you're buying uh, your first home. To talk about this and the report, we're joined by Dr. Paul Krishaw, a policy professor at the University of British Columbia and founder of Generation Squeeze. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Dr. Kershaw, um, tell me your reaction to the fact that, you know, millennials in Ontario, I know we've reached you in BC, but millennials in Ontario, and this is the, a similar story for many of individuals in, in British Columbia as well, would need to save for 20 years to afford a down payment. Yeah, 22 years now in BC and Ontario. And I think one of the things that that's revealing is that over the first two years of the pandemic, Ontario lost control of our home prices more quickly than any other any other jurisdiction and any other time in the last half century in this country. And that just walloped the way that hard work pays off for younger Canadians in your province. And so, you know, I think a lot of your audience is in Toronto. In Toronto, you would need to see average prices actually drop by three quarters of a million dollars. Or their earnings would need to more than triple to rise to $172,000 to bring the typical home, which is more often a condo these days, into reach. And that's, I think, doing exactly what you said at the, the top of the story, that it's putting the Canadian dream that a good home should be in reach for what hard work can earn completely out of reach for what hard work actually gets paid these days. Is it also uh, do we also need to manage expectations? Because, uh, you know, nostalgia is really dangerous when you think about home prices, like talking to your parents, like my parents bought a house in Scarborough uh, in 1978 for $80,000. I can tell you it is worth a lot more than that right now. Um, and, you know, if for, for a young person to say, well, my parents could afford a home in, in, the, in Scarborough, which is in the city of Toronto, uh, a four-bedroom home, why can't I do the same? Is it about managing expectations, too, that the market has just changed and that the first home is a one-bedroom condo or a home that's outside of the city? How does that play into this whole story? Well, I think it's both uh, managing expectations for younger Canadians, but also asking in your parents' demographic, it's just a perfect story what you just painted, to actually lean into the idea that what's really benefited them, the fact that they gained so much wealth in their homes, has harmed their kids and grandchildren. We need both of those things to happen simultaneously. Because the young person today, as they're trying to figure out, 
Do I go into home ownership? Do I scale back my expectations? Which, by the way, young folks are doing all over the place. They're not thinking they're going to get houses with yards or think about maybe someplace with a balcony. Will it have enough bedrooms for both kids, et cetera? And while they're trying to imagine scaling their, their expectations down, they're having to pay rent. And rent in Ontario, after adjusting for inflation, is $7,500 higher per year than when the baby boomers started out. And so you have a younger demographic getting cobbled in so many places, but an older demographic on average actually getting better off. And I know of what I speak. I've been a homeowner for 18 years. Last year alone in Metro Vancouver, my home was estimated to rise by half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. I've been a professor for 18 years. I get a good earnings as a professor. I and my employer pay into my pension. And in the first 18 years of my career, I've accumulated about half a million dollars in my pension. We can't want home equity increases to do in one year what a hardworking professor earns in 18 years, and many are not as lucky as me in terms of their pension contributions. Yeah, and that is that is the case for so many um, so many young Canadians because you know you being a professor and having a pension plan that's another factor too. Exactly. So many young. Uh, young workers are starting off in contract, in in uh, you know temporary work. Uh, many are trying to do the entrepreneurial uh, pathway, and that doesn't have that that uh, that that confidence that you're gonna you know that, that you have a pension, a workplace pension, also uh, for you. So many jobs. Many young people not only worried about how they're going to afford a home, but they're also now thinking, how am I going to afford retirement when I finally get there? Because there's, there, I don't have the workplace pension that used to exist in, in jobs, you know, for many, many decades that are just simply uh, disappearing. What, what, what do you think needs to happen? Is you know, the Bank of Canada is raising interest rates to curb inflation, which is having some impact on home prices, but that's also making money more expensive. What do you think needs to happen for home prices to at least level out so that uh, those young people who want to buy a home can, can afford one? Well, let's pick up your theme of the rising interest rates. I think in this case, actually, we really need Premier Ford to pick up the following call and actually raise concerns that Statistics Canada, our venerable data agency that I rely on all the time as a prof, but in terms of measuring housing inflation, they've really let us down. Because we've seen uh, six interest rate hikes in the last uh, nine months, all really triggered by rising food inflation and rising gas prices. But we've suffered rising housing inflation for years and years and years and years, but we didn't actually then cause the Bank of Canada to raise interest rates, which do have a dampening influence on home prices. Imagine we'd done this many years ago. Instead of home prices being up around $800,000 Ontario, a million in, in Toronto, what if they were still 700000 600000 Just think about how much more in reach that would have been. But the problem is, StatsCan doesn't measure what's happening in the housing market in terms of inflation as it relates to younger people or newcomers of any age. They don't track how much of a down payment you need to save, and they don't track adequately the total amount of money you need to borrow to get into home ownership. And so those are the key concerns for a younger demographic. And by failing to track those things, we didn't sound the alarm bell years and years ago, which could have contained home prices and not really imposed this soul-crushing level of unaffordability on young people while fueling cheap access to cheap credit, which then drove housing equity up for people like me who are already in the market. I started this uh, conversation, uh, Dr. Kershaw, by talking about how owning a home is a Canadian dream. Um, and that is something even when I was a young person was really kind of uh, 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 
put upon me that, you know, once you can afford to do so, you should try to buy a house. And so it becomes, if you can't buy a house, you sort of start feeling like, well, am I, am I, am I adulting yet? Am I, am I really, you know, am I, am I really, am I really living like an adult yet if I'm still renting, which is not the truth. That is absolutely not the truth. But, uh, you know, what, what can, what, what can we do going forward? Um, maybe, maybe we need to change that conversation. Maybe we need to change talking about how the the Canadian dream is owning a home. Is that part of it as well? Well, now I think the Canadian dream needs to be able to uh, have hard work, uh, pay for a home that meets our needs, whether as an owner, in rental or in co-op. But that means if we're going to be adapting, we can point to many great cities where their, their housing culture is much more around renting. So that's doable. But in Canada, we would then need to level the playing field in terms of public policy, which currently treats renters often as second class neighbors. And we need to figure out how do we provide some security of tenure for renters while simultaneously saying, how do we help renters save for their retirement in the way that you were describing earlier? How do we help renters pay for their rent? When when I save for my down payment, I could tap into the tax shelter that the RRST offers me. When I'm getting half a million dollars because my home value went up in a single year, I don't have to end up really paying any tax on that because it's sheltered by the home ownership tax shelter. We don't offer the same kinds of tax perks to renters. And so we need to make sure that we are not treating renters as second-class neighbors. We're going to have to figure out how to sort of level that tax policy playing field. And maybe thinking again about primary residence, right? So if you've only only owned the home maybe five years or less, uh, should you be allowed to walk away with, like you said, $500,000 in gains in just a few years or, you know, maybe maybe putting into a percentage, maybe a 30, 40% gain in just a few years? Should there, there should we relook at, you know, not taxing primary residence if you've lived in it for 30 years, but maybe if it's a short amount of time, so sort of really discouraging people trying to flip their homes when they see um, when they see their proper property values rise. Dr. Kershaw, thank you so much for joining us today on the program and, and breaking this down. It, it's 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 such a um, a terrible time for a first time home buyer right now, and I feel for anyone that is looking for a house. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Paul Kershaw. He's a policy professor at the University of British Columbia and founder of Generation Squeeze, uh, talking about the situation that Ontario millennials find themselves in right now. It would take them more than 20. He actually corrected me 22 years to save for an average home in this province, uh, just the down payment to get into that home.